0: Straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! All right, we got another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void coming straight from the can. And again, as always, the magic of the internet helps me out quite a lot. I've got somebody that's got some really unique perspectives, not just on skydiving, but on a whole lot of really extreme things that uh, I don't think most of us think about too much. So uh, tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do?
1: (laughs) I am Hannah Betts and I'm a professional skydiver turned stuntwoman.
0: Professional Scott ever turned stunt woman. I've watched the the Facebook posts and all the crazy shit you get to do, uh, pictures of you flying through the air with fire behind you. It looks so cool.
1: It's yeah, it's a, it's an interesting job. That's for sure.
0: It's gotta be. I mean, is this something that you always wanted to do? Did you, were you a kid going, I want to go be a stunt woman?
1: You know what it is. It, it's, it's funny. I mean, I grew up doing gymnastics and a lot of other sports, um, and the funny thing was just before I got into skydiving I started actually looking at how to become a stuntwoman kind of when I was in my 20s um in England and then skydiving just as you can see took, just completely took over my life it does um that. and like yeah as it does and you know my life took a a pretty dramatic 180 degree turn but ironically <laughs> 10 years later skydiving that um, kind of came full circle and broke me into stunts.
0: How cool so, is that?
1: Yeah. It's funny how life works out like that.
0: So how, how did the whole skydiving thing start for you and, and where did it start? Cause you said you're from so, England.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm originally from Cornwall. Um, and then I was actually, um, living in Birmingham at the time. Um, I, I was, I used to be a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. No, no, I know not many people know I was a full time uh, police officer for four years. Um, and, um, I, uh, growing up in Cornwall, I was used to, you know, a lot of space and adventure and, um, outdoor sports. And uh, honestly, in Birmingham, I was, I was just bored. <laughs> All
2: right. Fair <laughs> like, enough. What,
1: what can I, what can I do? That's kind of outdoorsy somewhere close to a city. Um, And I just had this idea, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go skydiving. And it was one of those bucket list things. I'll get my license, say, um, you know, say I've done it and and move on. And obviously, uh, I didn't move on. Well, so you
0: you were an active duty police officer when you made your first jump?
1: I was, yes.
0: All right. So, Um, all right, let me ask you a completely (laughs) off the wall question. You're an active duty cop. Yes. skydivers do a lot of illegal shit
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. so oh,
0: yeah. was that had to have been i mean professionally was that kind of difficult because i mean i never censored myself on the drop zone and i know most people don't so uh, walking on the drop zone as a cop must be weird
1: honestly it, re- it well funnily enough i actually transferred from um West Midlands police to Nottinghamshire police so I could live on the drop zone at Langer. Oh, God. <laughs> so I could save money. Um, so basically, like, my mortgage money uh, turned into jumping money. I lived in a trailer for two and a half years. Oh, while, I, while I was an active duty cop. So the cops were sponsoring
0: <laughs> your skydiving. <laughs> oh.
1: um, but no, it wasn't. It was... Um, it was fine. You know what I mean? I wasn't one of those annoying police officers that wanted to arrest people for every little thing. I I'm, I was a bigger picture person, so I did not really...
2: Which is
0: cool. I mean, much. yeah. I think anybody that's attracted to skydiving is going to lean that way anyway. We had a um, uh, guy that was the Las Vegas version of uh, the drug enforcement um that was an active skydiver and one of the other fun <laughs> jumpers was an active drug dealer. And they had this kind of unspoken agreement between the two of them that on the drop zone, it was all good, but
1: catch exactly. your
0: ass off the drop zone and you're fucked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I think that's probably quite a good analogy. So, wow. Um, yeah. I mean, that's I, gotta be weird. I, I rem- honestly, I remember, I full on remember when my inspector who was in charge of me found out that I'd moved to the drop zone. He was like, I can't have one of my bloody constables living like some fucking jippo on a drop zone. <laughs> I, remember, I remember him saying it. Um, and I was like, well, what are you going to do?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I always had this mental image. Uh, I've Obviously, being in skydiving for a bunch of years, I've worked with more Brits than I can count, and I always had this mental image of the skydiving scene there being a lot like a Guy Ritchie movie. <laughs> <laughs> right,
2: yeah.
0: you know, a lock stock kind yeah. of snatch thing, and and so that's the, hilarious. Yeah, the 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 gypsy caravans always it always kind of cracked me up. That and when I worked in Cross Keys, we would have every week we'd watch a Guy Ritchie movie. So I'm sitting around a bunch of Brits who are quoting Snatch line for line, you know. So that's
1: hilarious. That's very it. fun. So
0: you started and skydiving I'm... there. When did you decide being a cop uh, wasn't for you and being a skydiver was?
1: Um, well, I was. Um... Uh I, I got on a team, um, an all-female four-way team that we put together, um, and we were very, very dedicated to trying to win the national championships, but, which actually involved beating the current world champions. There was another British team at the time, and they were actually the current world champions. Wow. But we had quite a special team put together, but we, we were lacking in experience, and we knew the only way that we would beat them is if we tried to go full-time training and we were lucky enough to secure like a sponsor that would allow us to jump and just survive. Um, and so I, we all ditched our jobs Wow. and took a bit of a gamble to, to train. You know, we, we knew we had to get like 700, 800 jumps in by the end before nationals. Otherwise we wouldn't, um, we you know the potential was there but we had to go intensely and sure. we did and we, we um we were complete underdogs and I think a lot of people thought initially our ambition was cute and adorable but uh we we beat them
2: wow. <laughs> we wow. to the
1: world championships, yeah um so so that was that was kind of a turning point officially I took a career break you can do that um with Nottinghamshire Police for up to five years oh wow um and, uh, and I remember getting the phone call when I was on the drop zone. I kind of forgot. Like, are you coming back? I was like, oh, no.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of people even in skydiving who you would say, yeah, I'm going to give up my uh, my job as a police officer to, to jump on a four-way team. And right. even skydivers would go, whoa, you're what?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it was really funny. It, it was quite a magical time because there was, there was four of us and we, we all had professional careers. And the other girls had very... High corporate careers, you know. I was really the only one in, in public service, and mm. they they gave up a way bigger salary than I did to to make it happen. And it, it, it was a big gamble, um, but it but it paid off, you know, not without a lot of sacrifices. Sure.
2: Um, now, how
0: yeah, did the, how, yeah. did the, how did family and friends react to this? Because I mean, uh, if you've got skydivers that are, are doubtful, you know, waffos, mm. they aren't going to understand it at all.
1: Do you know, I I think my family. I don't know. They just, they rolled with it. I think they, I, I think they deep down, they knew no matter what they were going to say or what their opinion was, it wasn't, it wouldn't matter anyway. I was going to do it. Right. So we were just very, very focused on the angle. It's funny. I look back on it now and there just wasn't like a shadow of doubt about anything. It was, it was interesting. It's just, this is what we need to do. We need to be fully committed, like shit or get off the pot kind of thing. And what do you so. think it is
0: about skydiving? Because you'll, if you take anyone and you explain to them what skydiving fundamentally is, and what being on a four-way mm. team is, and what winning, a, you know, a national or a world championship is, and most people mm. will be like, and. So you're, you're are you going to get rich? Or are you going to be famous? Or yeah, have this, they're
1: that. like, oh, it's that prize money and all of that stuff.
0: And know, and none yeah. of that is the case. And it's very difficult. No. So what do you think it is about skydiving that makes people do such dramatic things with their lives?
1: God, it's, it's so funny. No one's really. It's ever tough, right? That question. Yeah, I think. Um, I, I I guess it's just for the for me it was just for the 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 love of the challenge. Mm. It was it was just such a huge obstacle um and obviously a, a fun sport and i i think that says a lot about skydiving that people are that passionate enough to do it and sure. to make a lot of sacrifices with with zero gain at the end i mean at, at the end of the day <laughs> you, you know it, it's probably a really fucking stupid thing to do because you're financially crippling yourself <laughs> yeah yeah but um but having said that it wasn't it, me I think if you just stick to the authenticity of what your goal and what your dream is, it always works out for the best, no matter how stupid or vulnerable it may make you at the time. Because by me doing that, it, I, I'm in a financially great place right now. Sure. But it wouldn't have happened, actually, if I didn't cripple myself yeah, <laughs> financially no, no. doing the word well, and I, I completely... Cause it, allowed, it allowed me. it took me to so many different places and... I had a reputation and name for coaching, et cetera, et cetera. And, for sure. You know, well, yeah, yeah. I,
0: I ask because I'm honestly curious because I'm trying to answer that question from my own life: is why right, the fuck right. I made the decisions that I made? And just like you, but in a different way, uh, my horrible life choices led to amazing places. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, I, I normally, I normally balance like my because my life has always been like that. I normally just balance my decisions on. It, does it? If it scares me enough, then there's something. There's something there.
2: <laughs> sure. Well, <and> I <laughs> if think... it's
1: not scary, it's not normally worth doing. And the the, the scary part normally is the the part that gives you major rewards, but you just sure. have to take well, a bit of a I, leap of faith.
0: I think that encapsulates skydiving in general, though, because it's absolutely, especially when you're learning how, it's scary and sometimes downright terrifying. And it's fucking fun. And it's very difficult to to balance, to explain that to someone else it's, no, I'm scared shitless, and I'm having so much fun I can't see straight.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there's that whole part I think people always think that, you know, skydivers or, or within stunts as well, that um you're reckless or you're courageous or you don't have any sense of fear. I'm like, no, I absolutely fucking terrified yeah. learning. I was such a I was a wuss. Um but you just have to have that element of fuck it and just go. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) And and normally good things come from that.
0: (laughs) Well, in in a lot of the professional skydivers that I know, I think that's how they ended up in their careers is they've got that just enough of a fuck it attitude uh, that they're willing to take the same leap that involves making that very first skydive is the same leap that involves crazy career changes and moving all over the place and doing all this different shit. It kind of takes that same DNA, I think.
1: No, m- massively, and yeah, I've always said that skydiving is a metaphor for so many aspects of life. Oh, but, absolutely! Yeah, you nailed it.
0: <laughs> I wish, I wish the rest of life life was as simple as skydiving can be when it's broken down to its basics.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's very, me- it's a meditative thing to do. I think.
0: Which is impossible to explain to anybody that doesn't, you know, get into it for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I hate it when people call me an adrenaline junkie. Right. I don't really enjoy it. Yeah.
0: There was some (laughs) article that came out a a bunch of years ago that said that uh, uh, people that do things like extreme sports and skydiving don't feel fear and adrenaline and all this, that the way that normal people do and that they have to jump out of airplanes to feel normal and all this shit. And I was really insulted by it because it uh, painted the picture that I wasn't doing this by choice, that I was being driven by you know, chemical stimulus and all this bullshit. No, I'm scared to fucking death, but yeah. <laughs> I'm willing to do this and push those limits. I think it's a personal thing. You know, it's it being willing to push that personal limit.
1: Absolutely. No, I can't. Yeah. I couldn't agree more.
0: So you you start jumping <laughs> in England. You, you leave your career as a police officer to compete yeah. in four way and actually yeah. nail this goal right off the bat. Uh, so if you hit it right out of the gate, where do you go from there? Because I sucked <laughs> when I started. I mean,
1: <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, so we, we did the the national championships. We we won that. We trained for another year, went to the world championships, and and, and won that, which was amazing. Um, and the, we were training at Skydive Paris um, a lot because of the the weather in mm. California. Um, and there's that usual kind of um, post blues everything's over kind sure. of transitional slump that that is always really, really sucky but is always temporary. Mm. Um and I, my brain had already started I think I'd already known at that point there was just no way I could go back right to where I was before. There's just no way. No. Um it wasn't an option. Um so I asked Skydive Paris if I could come out and um work for them at the school okay. filming tandems. Um and an if they would sponsor me for my sports visa to be able to do that, Hmm. um, which um, they they did. I did all the work and research for actually applying for the visa. And I I just turned up to California with, I think, like a a month's rent and $500 and two suitcases. Wow. And that was it.
0: Wow. See, normally people turn up into California, especially Southern California, because they want to go be famous and be a movie star. And you turned up to (laughs) jump out of airplanes in
1: Paris. Yeah, I turned up broke in debt sold a lot of my crap um uh yeah and just started working at the school um then eventually you know after like got my aff rating started coaching uh wind tunnel coaching a lot
0: when would this have been
1: that was um when did i come out here the end of 2008 okay yeah so the world championships were in august i believe and i I was out in California around October,
0: November. So it's my first impression. The first time I ever jumped at Paris Valley, it, by the way, was my first turbine drop zone. It's the first big drop zone I ever jumped at. I think the first time I jumped there, I only had like 25 jumps. And I was coming right. out of Las Vegas, which was at the time uh, <laughs> turban on the weekend, but Cessnas mostly. And just this, you know, very small yeah. place, not very welcoming to fun jumpers. And I remember driving through the town of Paris horrified.
2: <laughs> Horrifying! Yeah. Like,
0: what the? F- a... Where the fuck are we? This is ridiculous. You know, you can practically see the fucking needles in the gutter as, as you're driving on the way to the drop zone, and then you get to the drop zone, and it's like Disneyland.
1: It's yeah, it's a very intimidating drop zone if you're only used to uh, small places. I remember oh. shaking my pants when I first turned out because I was like terrified.
2: Oh yeah, it's
1: such such a big uh, a big deal but i mean it's an incredible job so I mean, the facilities and the instructors and well the safety and the pools and the restaurants and yeah well from the canisters on down
0: i remember uh, being extremely intimidated and i went out there with staff from uh, um, skydive of las vegas at the time um, but of course i was just a new kid so they ditched me as quick as they could uh, and <laughs> the nicest person that i met out there was manifest dan who was incredible absolutely awesome <laughs>
1: Still there. Uh, he, I saw him recently, and he was threatening retirement. And I said he couldn't. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's incredible. He gets, you know, he gets hired. To be take, um, to go to Nationals because he's such a good manifesto. Yeah, no, he's, he's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And
0: he would—he yeah. actually took time, uh, again, I'm very early on in my career, and he'd take time to go out and do a couple of free fly jumps with me because I'm standing there with my thumb up my ass because, <laughs> you know, the fly boys are training at the time and Tanya and Craig are sky surfing and nobody's looking twice at me to go jump. And it just turned out to be such a welcoming place, even though it was so intimidating to start.
1: Well that's what's so brilliant about that drop zone is there's kind of mega spells all over the place where everyone's willing to help you out, which is really nice. So you just, you've just you got a – it's such a great place to learn because you've got the best brains in the world to pick there as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, it's pretty rad. Well, so you, you walk onto Paris Valley and you say it's an intimidating drop zone, but you're walking on this drop zone as a national champion in the UK and you just won Worlds.
1: Yeah. yeah i mean that was that was returning like when i first well, i'm just talking about when i first got there sure. um for our very first training camp but like eh. um but yeah and no I, I it's good i i i turned up with some titles which was nice and i was very What's good friends with um, paris paris fury I mean, um it wasn't my first first week like i had done some baby teams in nationals a couple years prior to that but i i really yeah i did Go pretty intensely, pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's serious.
0: That's that's absolutely hardcore. I mean to be able to just go and I'm, it sounds to me like you pretty much flipped a switch and went, nope, this is me now.
1: Yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's how I do things really. You can do it. That's kind of awesome, do it right?
0: <laughs> so, any other extreme sports besides skydiving? Did something lead you into that mentality, or was skydiving really your first foray into the you know that kind of world?
1: I, th- it's kind of, yeah, kind of. I mean, I used to jump off cliffs a lot in Cornwall with my friends <laughs> when I was little, because right. that's just what you, what you do when you grow up. So I think, and I think gymnastics, you know, that, that's physically pretty, uh, a brave sport to do. So I think that taught me a lot about body awareness, but in regards to what you would call extreme sports, yeah, for sure. Skydiving, okay. I'd say is, uh, well, can't, oh, actually, sorry, <laughs> I forgot a stage of my life. Prior to being a police officer, I actually was a, an outdoor sports instructor that used to work with um, youth at risk. So I did do like kayaking and, and rock climbing and, and sailing and stuff like that. Okay. But not not to any like crazy level at all. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha.
0: Well, so yeah. now, at some point during your skydiving career, now you've gotten all these ratings, you've got uh, medals going, you obviously started to put your eye on um, the world of doing stunt. Now that's a pretty fucking niche profession there. Where did you decide yeah. that this was not just a daydream, but something you wanted to pursue?
1: Um, it was interesting. My, so after the world championships and everything, really my my goal was to <clears throat>
2: earn
1: money <laughs> and get out <laughs> there. that, And just, you know, yeah, and, and work within skydiving. So I, I, you know, got all my ratings and I was lucky enough to, to be put on some specialized military contracts just because I could, you know, I was a pretty decent mm. coach and the wind tunnel, all that good stuff. So I, I, I was really kind of quite content and happy just earning what I considered, you know, as a skydiver, earning decent money and having a great living at skydive Paris for,
2: sure.
1: I guess, four or five years. Um, and, uh, and, 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 I also um, I, I trained for just a, a free fly team for the U.S. Nationals with my friend um, Nicole, and uh, we went there just in the intermediate with the with the goal of, of of winning the the free fly national championships, which we did, which was great. <laughs> and it was interesting. I, I had a really specific. Um, I remember having a very specific conversation with Nicole at the time, saying, "You know, what? I don't know what it is. I'm I'm ready to to move." move on, not, not away from skydiving completely, but mm. I feel really, um, ready for something new in my life and new challenges. Sure. Um, and the next day, uh, on the way to the drop zone, I remember the exact corner I was driving. I got a phone call from, um, Craig O'Brien, mm. um, incredible, uh, videographer yes. a free four videographer. And he just said, Hey, hello, we've got this, um, uh, I got called for a stunt quarter at, Nature of mine there's a skydiving sequence scene coming up although it's green screen it's all wire work um but the stunt coordinator wants an actual skydiver so so they can really match you know the, the physicality of the scene sure. you'd make a great double for this girl it's on this tv show called marvel's agents of shield um are you available and i was like yeah <laughs> um and I, I was lucky enough to have my sag eligibility because i had done a few skydiving commercials at that point kind of stunt work but i wasn't you know actively pursuing that was something that came to the drop zone directly to me because i was a skydiver um yeah so that that was really a big changing point i was on set and i doubled this um uh actress elizabeth henstridge which was one of the main characters on the show and the I made a good double and I guess I made an okay impression with the stunt coordinator. Mm. And he he said, you make a really good double. He's like, (laughs) he was like, Hey, what else can you do? Do you have any kind of sporting background? (laughs) And I was like, well, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm an ex gymnast and this, this and this. And he was like, well, there's a simple thing on Tuesday. You're going to come back and work for me on Tuesday. Do you want to do that? And I was like, "Yeah." It's like you better start training. Um, and I will keep hiring you till you fuck up.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> that conversation. <laughs> and I remember just thinking, right, I I have an opportunity right now. And um, that by no means did my stunt career take off at that point. Um, I I lived miles away from L.A. at the time. It was like a two-hour journey. Hmm. So I was spending all my time on freeways. Um, going into LA to train at places where other stunt performers train and try and meet people and network people, which I absolutely loathed because I'm this small country girl from England and I, I can't stand that bullshit side of things. So it was really difficult (laughs) for me. Um, yeah. And, 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 and gradually, you know, my skills built and stunts is very word of mouth. Sure. Do a good job for one person. you, You kind of you know you get recommended for other jobs and um i thought about giving up many many times um it was hard it was it was a pretty cutthroat industry but well it's pretty um, funny that you
0: got started through craig o'brien of all people i actually just worked with him not that long ago Uh, i was the pilot for the stunt sequence the skydiving sequence they did for the mission impossible movie um,
1: Fantastic. Yeah. And it was really, yeah, really he's...
0: cool. I haven't seen him for years. In fact, um, my old surf partner, Mary Tortomasi, who you, I'm sure, know from Paris, um, mm-hmm. she and I um, competed against him and Tanya in the 98. Tanya. Yeah. In the 98 uh, nationals. And of course, they destroyed us because they were so fucking amazing. <laughs> and I don't think yeah. I'd seen him since then. Uh, and uh, so it's pretty cool that uh, he, you know, just by way of knowing you and your skills, gave you that uh, opportunity. That's really cool.
1: Yeah and I mean life is is funny that way I I just think um you know and and the coincidence that I, I made a really good double for this actress as well you know as you always look back on pivotal moments but um you've got to you've got to grab those moments when they come you sure. know it's not like somebody opened the door and said hey be a stunt woman like I had the the had one toe in the door I would say um but that was enough for me to kind of creep in but yeah Craig O'Brien's just um, incredible. Sure. He, I've been lucky enough to work on many projects with him and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just funny how I really remember that phone call and remember thinking, I think this is it.
0: Well, <laughs> well somewhere down the line and, and I, I couldn't tell you when, uh, you know, when you become Facebook friends with someone, uh, and your posts started coming up and I would see random, um, cuts and takes that you're trying this new stunt or that new stunt and you're getting launched off of shit and, and set on fire <laughs> and this and that. And, and yeah. I remember really taking notice of that. And of course, with stunt people, you don't know what they're in unless you're researching it. Um, but I remember thinking right. it was super, super cool that you were doing that. But I also remember thinking, Hollywood's such a shitty, nasty place from the way it's painted in my opinion mm. what a hard place to try and push through to that kind of industry i mean has that been hard because yeah. i don't have a great opinion of hollywood
1: no it um it, that was what i think one of the hardest things for me was um kind of filtering through the the, the bullshit mm. for sure um i think um i, I struggled at the beginning because i definitely kind of lacked a lot of self-confidence it's really intimidating being in hollywood and la because everyone's the best of the best of the best sure. there as well um and and you're up, not up against but you're surrounded by very established stunt women already and mm. you know c- comparison is is the worst thing that you can do but it's it's very hard not to sure. and I, I initially um i get very very comfortable uncomfortable around inauthentic people sure. and you're obviously surrounded by a, a lot of that um <sighs> yeah in that town but it, it makes me feel like physically anxious and and I I made the mistake initially of trying to behave in a way that I thought I needed to you know looking at other women and kind of like the fakeness and hi I'm sure. doing well you networking the hustling and it, it just didn't settle well for me and uh, eventually once I kind of filtered through all that crap and found like you always do your your people um Mm. at the risk of sounding cheesy you know your own your own kind of tribe of people that are really true to themselves and i kind of cut cut all that bullshit and was just very much myself and um everything really changed from that point on life got easier people connected with me easier i i gave less of a shit
0: which is i think isn't that the recipe to success just in life in general it's just to stop giving a fuck
1: Without a doubt, stop giving a fuck and be yourself. Yeah. and and you know you might not be everybody's cup of tea, but if I think if you're pleasing everyone all the time, you're doing something wrong. Oh
2: yeah, if if, <laughs> so... if
0: you're not pissing somebody off, you're working way too hard to keep way too many people happy.
1: Yeah, I mean... and you're not being you're not being. You've just got to set your what your own moral compass is and your own values are and, and stick to that. And, and, and f- normally l- life is easier that way. It's
0: got to be so cutthroat in Hollywood. I mean I can't even begin to fathom how hardcore it's got to be um, for so many different reasons. But especially as a woman in Hollywood, I cannot imagine um, the bullshit you've got to put up with because you got a bunch of asshole guys that are running around that think they run the world.
1: Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, obviously over the last couple of years it's gotten a, a little bit more um oh, breathable for, for women, thank God. Right. Yay, the me the Me Too movement. Um, you know what the, I, I think that the lucky thing is is if you're gonna pick like the most grounded of departments in the Hollywood industry, it it would absolutely be stunts. Um Okay. For the most part, because if you look at what they're they're normally the first on set, the last on set, they're they're hardworking, they're always on time. There's no attitude, you know, they're 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 pretty damn grounded, good bunch of people. Um, But with that, of course, it's unbelievably male dominated. Um, And 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 it is harder for women because the way scripts are written, if there's 10 background soldiers all getting blown up, they're normally all men. Right. right. So that there's a lot more kind of easy, what we call nondescript days for men out there in stunts. Because right. quite often, you know, fight scenes, police, military, prison, whatever, they, they always end up, even, even though it's not a fair representation, they automatically think man. Sure. Um, so women often end up having to be, you know, really break into the being stunt doubles um having been in Hollywood at the
0: time frame that you have been you've kind of been ground zero for the whole me too movement and you're a skydiver which and I've had many female athletes on the on the podcast and everybody kind of has a different opinion of the Me Too movement in skydiving because, at least from my perspective, and granted, I'm not a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, I've always felt on even footing with women because you guys kick my ass at every turn. So I've never, <laughs> I've never looked up or down at a woman. They've always been equal because they're s- such incredible athletes in our sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but that yeah. doesn't translate into your profession by any means. So how how weird did this movement get for you?
1: Um, I, I, I don't think it, it, it got, it got weird. I think it got, um, I, I guess the, the only thing that I noticed the most, and this was my biggest, uh, cause, um, a lot of guys really didn't like the good guys Mm. the ones that weren't our souls and sexist or you know use their power for the wrong reason or put women in uncomfortable positions they didn't the good ones that didn't do that were really unaware of how much the bad stuff went on sure um and and weren't really believed when stories were told, you know what I mean? Right. And I think that the biggest conversations I had, the the guys were way more scared of being falsely accused of something than they were scared of women being sexually <laughs> assaulted
2: I can or, see
1: that. you know, or, or have something sexist happen to them, which always happens on a daily basis.
2: Yep, yep, um, and that.
1: that, that was frustrating initially to have the conversation say, this is not about you guys. Hmm. Like false allegations are the teeniest, tiniest percentage of this problem. Like, get your head out of your ass and look at why this movement started in the first place. And if you're a nice guy, with and your intent is always correct, you have absolutely nothing to fucking worry about.
2: Sure. Although, um, I'll tell you I, what, my,
1: my biggest jerk is when people would say, oh my God, you can't do anything anymore. I'm like, oh no.
2: Yeah, it's a bunch of bullshit. You can't do shit.
1: anything that makes a woman feel really fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. And if you think that's normal, then you just need to check yourself. It's like, yeah. you, you can do everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that I found uh, <laughs> uh outside of the actual... Uh, wrongdoing that has been going on and, and uh, the allegation stuff that was going on is guys staying busy virtue signaling so that they don't look like one of those guys and if you're not one yeah. of those guys you shouldn't have anything to worry about but I've been guilty of it as well I stand behind women I'm this I'm that and then I, I find myself thinking well but I shouldn't even have to say that because that's just how I am I I believe these things mm-hmm. I shouldn't have to say them so you almost feel like an asshole for, for standing behind the women are making these allegations uh, because you're like, well, but I shouldn't, I should just be able to believe her, you know, and, and
2: keep,
0: it's not my, yeah. I should keep my mouth shut. I'm not involved in this.
1: <laughs> well, actually the, what we need is what we need more good guys to speak up and be a, be like, be the voice as well. We can't do this on our own, you know? So, oh, for sure, you know, I, I really, yeah, I think women need to be listened to, but they also, yeah, need to be support it as well oh, yeah. for sure well i think the first you time know? you
0: and i ever corresponded uh you had had a, a comment up and i don't even remember what the comment was about but i said something along the lines of having been born uh not just uh, a white person but a white man in california i couldn't get any luckier or have it any easier than i did uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you, you had and responded it's really funny
1: yeah i mean and it's wonderful and it, it's it's so refreshing to hear that and i i think a lot of Um, men and women as well, if you're going to talk about like white privilege, but male privilege, um, struggle saying those things because they, they translate that with thinking that we think you didn't work hard to get where you are. You know what I mean? And then that's, I I think that's the thing people struggle the most with when we talk about privilege. It's like no one's saying you didn't bust your ass to get where you are. Busting your ass also meant that doors opened for you. They didn't close for you. Oh, and that's yeah. the difference. And oh, and that's absolutely. where people struggle. But, it, yeah, it's, so, <laughs> it's a really refreshing thing when people can actually say, yeah, this is, you know, I had these opportunities because of this, this, and this.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, oh, no, it doesn't no, make
1: no. you a bad person, you know. <laughs>
0: No, not at all. I've forgotten about
1: you writing that. That's yeah, really funny. I, I mean, what it was. I remember now. <laughs> that
0: was it. Yeah, it was. And I forget what the actual post was about, but I, I remember reading the post and thinking, "Well, duh. Of course, I have it easier because I'm a white guy from California. Of course, mm-hmm. it 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 didn't even uh, I didn't even compute that anyone would think anything different. Absolutely, I have had opportunities that I never would have had had I not been born in the place that I was as the person that I was. So. Denied. Nine, right stupid
1: it is but as so many people still still struggle with it um well, it's which shame. is just the it is a shame it's it's changing slowly but um it's it has to be discussed you For know sure. oh, it well, has to be absolutely. talked about all the time yeah well,
0: It was funny, I kind of got myself in a little bit of trouble with the editors from Blue Skies, Laura and Cola, because I wrote an article uh, shortly after the whole Me Too thing started, and the article Mm -hmm. was my perspective of everything that was going on, but in regard to skydiving. And like you said earlier, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of well-meaning guys that uh, aren't bad guys, but they don't see what's really going on. Well, I'll hold yeah. my hand up. I was absolutely guilty of that because the article that I wrote was basically, yeah, I don't see this stuff happening in skydiving because women are just as fun and blah, 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 blah. And oh, the backlash. Oh, uh, yeah. And and for good reason as an afterthought. I had no, I would, I didn't think anything about it as I wrote the article. And then afterwards, uh, both Laura and Kohler were like, yeah. So the first article we wrote about anything Me Too was written by a guy. So that wasn't great, uh, and, right you know, and then you kind of basically said you didn't think it was happening so much just because you don't have experience with it, and that was not so good. And
1: yeah it was and I've kind of
0: and I've gone out of my way to really try and educate myself from then on, because I guess I always want to think the best of people, and especially the best of our sports. So mm. the idea that these horrible things are going on in the sport that we all love is terrible.
1: Yeah, but the wonderful thing is, though, and God, I wish more people could take note of this. Is you fucked up? Yeah, and you and and but but you've also you owned it and you figured it out and you've moved on and because of it, you're able to have these discussions. Sure. And I think that's what's so wonderful. I think a lot of guys are so scared to say what's actually on their mind through fear of offending. But I wish they actually would say what's on their mind if they're open for someone else to tell them why that might not be correct or that that perspective is completely wrong. Um, and people need to be comfortable having open dialogue. And that's what's so refreshing about you saying that story—like saying I wrote, I, I, I wrote something with really good intent, with no idea that it was through my perspective, through a male gaze, and something I have zero experience with.
2: Sure, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But,
1: and thing, you didn't die saying no, that. No, didn't die. Well, you have to
0: be willing to fuck up. You have to be willing to make mistakes. And you have to be willing to look yeah. like an asshole. And I embraced looking like an asshole years ago. Uh, so <laughs> I'm fine looking like an idiot. I've been writing articles as the fucking pilot for over 10 years. So I'm cool with being the asshole. Um, but I, I want to be the asshole that's learning lessons, you know, and learning, right. all right, this is, this is where I made the mistake and it's not minor mistakes. I mean, that's a, that was a big deal. Um, but I didn't think of it that way because I took it in this lighthearted bonfire skydiver mentality. And that was the wrong yeah. way to look at that thing. Um, you yeah. know, especially, you know, not being able to put myself in your shoes cause I've never been a woman. Again, white guy from California, when have I ever been truly vulnerable?
1: Right. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. And and I think that's just the, the conversation that we need to have is just keep telling men, ask the women the questions. Yeah. Stop telling us what we do think or maybe think or that's not going on. Like ask the questions and shut the fuck up and listen. Right, right. <laughs> so
0: hard to do because we're all so stubborn. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, and you. Well, we and you've been conditioned to be yeah. a certain way. You know, the the generation where we are the same way. I was conditioned for a really long time. And it took me a long time to get out of it to 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 be quiet and awkwardly awkwardly laugh at things that made me uncomfortable. Or you know, sometimes I didn't even realize sometimes that sexist shit was happening to me because we right. were so conditioned as young girls to be that. You know be quiet don't make a fuss don't do anything you know be small be insular. don't take up space and you have to um get yourself out of those habits sometimes i still catch myself um it's rare now but it 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 takes a long time it takes a lot of confidence i mean I'm, i'm i'm excited to see what this new generation of young girls come up doing because i just see so many that just they don't know that they're not then they're not treated like girls, and no. it's really excited to see what they're doing um and they just don't have this fear or 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 different idea of what they should or shouldn't right. do
2: and yeah, it's, they, i'm they really I'm excited
1: for them mhm
0: not conditioned in that way, which is fantastic well, I was yeah. lucky in my younger um self education because as a lot of my listeners know, I worked as a as a male stripper for a lot of years which
1: how did I, how did I not know that
0: uh <laughs> I don't know, but I did for for a long time. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, and so I actually put myself in a position where um, uh, it was never harassment, but definitely sexual discomfort in very public ways. Um, right. It taught me a lot of lessons where I can see things, or at least I'm willing to see things from a drastically different view than you normally would. Um, yeah. and, uh, for as horrible as some of the experiences were, I learned a lot about it. So right, okay, there you right. go, guys, you want to learn something, go take your pants off in public. Okay. and see
2: how So now the stunt funny.
0: stuff comes up. We're going to, we're going to leave the, the, the me too behind and, and talk about mm-hmm. blowing yourself up and doing really dangerous shit. Is it as cool <laughs> as it looks?
1: Um, sometimes it, it really is. Um, it's, uh, Stunts is a funny thing. Sometimes you can turn up on set and and literally end up doing nothing. All day you were there as backup or as safety. Sure. Um sometimes it um it's just cool as shit and you you can't believe you're getting paid to do it. Sometimes it's terrifying and awesome all at the same time. and mm. sometimes it just
0: fucking hurts and that's why it's called stunts. <laughs> I bet well because a lot of the stunt stuff that you do I mean you're n- not necessarily doing things that have been done before I mean skydiving is one thing we know skydiving you can train for it and learn and practice for all these different eventualities but you're doing things for a movie or tv that hasn't necessarily ever been done that way before so you're you know yeah. on unproven ground sometimes and
1: that you know what that's what I, I really enjoy about that is you train and train and you know, you kind of have your repertoire of skills, but it's never used in exactly the same way, right? No sets the same, no stunts the same, no action leading up to it is the same, no prop is the same. Right. Um so you always have to have a an element of flexibility and figure it out as you go and and I, I can't tell you w- without a shadow of a doubt, competing in four way and the mental game is what I think Made me become a, a, a an established stuntwoman because Dan BC, our, our coach um, yeah. focused so much on the mental game for us because with four way for the listeners that don't know it's not it's not like a a free fly routine or like a gymnastics routine that you know exactly what you're gonna do. You you practice that same routine over and, over and over and over and over and over again. So it's great. With with four-way, you learn certain moves, but you never know what sequence you're going to get them in for competition. So the first time you go up to do that jump for competition or the, the 10 jumps, you've never done that jump before, right. ever. So you have to stay calm and slow everything down in your head because the muscle memory has not been developed. So it's all a mental game. And that translates... Um, so much into stunts when you hear that three, two, one action, right. um, my brain just kind of goes into, to slow-mo. For really? Sure. Cause I just
0: got butterflies when you just counted
1: down. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird. I always, I always get nervous. Um, even in competition, I could, I could never be one of those people that could kind of get my heart rate down and, right. and, um be be feel really chill I nerves would always get me so I had to learn I just um I kind of separated my brain from my body mm. uh if that makes any sense like, I literally almost my brain has a conversation with my heart like okay you do that you <laughs> pump away you get your adrenaline going but I'm just gonna stay chill up here right. um and that's kind of that's kind of what happens with stunts as well I do get like this big I'm sure if you put a heart rate monitor on me my 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 heart rate would would spike. It does. I know it does. I can feel it. Um, but my brain kind of uh, just slows down.
0: That's really cool. <laughs> You know, I just, yeah. I, I just watched a, a documentary about uh, Tarantino and I, I forget what the name of the, the documentary was, but it really highlighted, um, how he has championed, especially female stunt women. Um, in fact, uh, uh Zoe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and it, it's absolutely amazing. And I can't remember her name and I don't
1: even remember the name of the Zoe movie. Be- Zoe Bell. She's fucking Zoe awesome. Bell. And um, once upon a time in Hollywood, I, w- I was lucky enough to work a little bit on that movie Were you really? with her. Um Yeah. Um and she's she's rad uh, <laughs> and I mean, you know what because, because he hired her uh, and this is just a really quick segue. Um, there was this huge fire scene. Um, in that movie, which involved eight uh, Nazi soldiers being set on fire, full body fire, right. like in like insanely dangerous um, stunt. And normally, fire safety is always for some reason just defaults go to goes to guys for some reason and she was we needed a ton of fire safety people and she brought in three people that um she she trusted um which was amazing and we had incredible rehearsal days and we i was one of those women i was lucky enough to be fire safety on there but we got kind of mentored by these legends and that wouldn't have happened if she hadn't been hired by quentin and i also got to to drive on that movie too and again she she brought in some females which was great do d you get
0: starstruck with that? I mean, she's fucking rad. I mean, her in Death Proof, and especially in the documentary <laughs> yeah. when they interviewed her about Death Proof and how she really, uh, he was talking about the fact that she was so used to trying to look away from the camera that he actually had to tell her to look at the camera in the scene because they wanted them to know this is really you. And it's yeah. so badass. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. No.
1: Yeah, no, she I mean, she's a legend. Do you um get starstruck? I I don't get starstruck with Zoe. I have a, the utmost respect for her, but she's such a normal, authentic human being that sure. you, you you just want to be around her. Sure. Um so yeah. Well, the Aussie accent like it's it's Well, it's like everything, right? All the people that are the best at something don't need to tell people about that. And they're normally incredibly humble human beings. They just have a very grounded sense of self. Um, And they're normally very easy to be around. Sure. Yeah. Uh,
0: I I had the opportunity to uh, meet uh, Michelle Rodriguez as well. And she's another badass. And she was as low-key as could possibly be. I was blown away. I mean, she's I've, so mellow. Yeah, I did
1: so, some AFS with her actually. I did just, you really? I was one of her instructors. Yeah. Oh, that must um, have been cool. Well, she, I mean,
0: you're in Mecca she, for Hollywood and skydiving.
1: Yeah, she she's hilarious. She's she's yeah no she's down to earth and grounded. Has the attention span of about ten seconds, so keeping her on track was really funny. Awesome. But She's the sweetest, most humble. Doesn't give a shit. Nothing's gone to her head. Type. uh actress that's
0: kind of how you want to you hope they're all going to be when i met her she was that way very low-key i I was lucky enough to to uh, spend a little bit of time uh flying for and and uh, speaking to will smith one of the nicest human beings i've ever met and that's how you want them to be but do you find that that's the norm in hollywood or is that the exception to the rule (laughs)
1: um (laughs) so so for the i've i've been incredibly lucky like the the actresses that i've doubled are just wonderful um that i've doubled regularly have been wonderful human beings Mm. i haven't seen um that much i've seen i've definitely i can i'm happy to say i've seen more great selfless behavior from from actors and actresses than I have douchey ones. Wow. I don't get me wrong, I've seen hideous behaviour sure. on set that you're just like, Oh forgot we for God's sake, we're creating monsters but for the most part most people a, a, a really decent human being, so, and I got to say that the, the crappiest behavior I've seen more often is from from guys, not women.
0: Oh, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that <laughs> yeah. for a heartbeat. It's I always want to think the best of people because I will happily turn my back on an actor and all actor or actress and all of their body of work if they're shitty people. I just won't ever watch anything that they do again. I had a horrible experience um, with uh, actress that shall not be named. That I literally changed the channel if if she comes on the TV. Um, It's
1: not funny. Do it. Do it. Out her. It's Jennifer (laughs) Jennifer
0: Lopez is a horrible human
1: being. Oh, I know. I've, I've. Oh, have you met sucks. her she's I have fucking heard. horrible i haven't but i've heard um <sighs> i have heard rumors
0: yeah no yeah yeah and this some, was there's
1: some big fat dump bummers out there yeah. they say never meet your heroes like chevy chase was just straight up an asshole <sighs> which was mortifying oh, No, um but that's a well a very well known fact and i've heard that industry. i've
0: heard that i actually was yeah. just listening to uh rogan's podcast not that long ago and they said that uh, he screwed himself up so much from all his prats falls that he's always in pain yeah so maybe that's why he's a
1: dick yeah Okay. Um. No, no, that's not why he's a <laughs> yeah.
0: dick. To, to be honest, most of Hollywood, <laughs> if they turned out to be assholes, I could handle it. Uh, if somebody, and there's only actually one that if he turned out to be horrible, I'd kill myself, and that would be Bill Murray. But I know he's supposed to be an incredible human being, so as long I, as. I b-
1: can, uh, yeah, I've heard wonderful things about him, so you're good, you're safe with that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> as long
0: as Bill is still a sweetheart, that's all I care about. So now, uh, what comes next? So you've got somebody like Zoe who was stuntwoman forever, but she's now branched off into acting. So is this something that you've thought about?
1: Oh, God, no. Really? I actively do my best to keep my face away from the camera.
0: Tarantino Um, comes to you. He says, I've got this amazing role and you're perfect for it. You just got to look at the camera and talk. You're going to say no to Tarantino?
1: Well, of course I wouldn't, but I think the moment Tarantino saw me try to deliver lines, he'd be like, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> no, I don't know.
0: I don't know. I think under the right circumstances, I mean, if you can pull off the things that you do physically, I mean, granted, the mental game's a little bit harder, but you put the same shit that you put into four-way and into stunt, I bet you can do it.
1: Yeah, but the funny thing was, I, I I don't really have any desire to do that, you know. And if I did, I would have. I'm in the right place to go to classes, and yeah, fair enough. You know what I mean, and and, and push that. But um, well, and all the best actresses. I, just, I love to... I love physical acting. Don't get me wrong. Like I love doing motion capture, and I and I love the challenge of being able to match someone else's body movement. And I really enjoy it when sometimes my face is on camera because I'm doing one of those nondescript stunts where it is me you know playing a character that doesn't have lines right. um i find all that fun but the moment i have to open my mouth not not but with an really accent you'd be like the
0: perfect <laughs> evil villain woman because all the evil people in movies are english
1: I know that's true. Why do you think the, that I'd is? Be, I, the only thing that I would be able to do is play some someone mean or like a badass. I can't do the sweet. I, 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 I don't think I would be a very subtle, nuanced actor.
0: See, but that's the perfect British thing. Every <laughs> evil character in every that I can think of off the top of my head, they're fucking British.
2: <laughs> and I don't no, know why that true. is.
0: That, well, I mean, it's the, the accent and you come off uh, more intelligent than the average American. You just sound better. <laughs>
1: It's sound, I guess we just sound like we're plotting and scheming all the time. <laughs>
0: that might be it. That might be it.
1: <laughs> who knows?
0: So now, who knows?
1: But no, that's definitely not, know, not fair, on
0: my um, fair play. Well, now you're not full, on my horizon. You're full bore in the uh, the stunt career. Um, what are you doing mm-hmm. in regard to skydiving? You still have fun jumping? Still out uh, um, coaching or doing anything like that, or is it just stunt right now?
1: I don't coach or compete anymore. Like stunts, really, is my my full time thing um i still absolutely skydive um i i don't fun jump that often um but i still do like i um, and i did like a fun demo jump with my husband uh, a few months ago into the stuntmen's association kind of big golf tournament nice and i still get you know i i'm still lucky enough to skydive because i've i've gotten um jobs for it like uh, charlie's angels this year and um i doubled um Angelina Jolie on a skydiving kind of smoke jumper movie that she's got coming out, I think, this summer. Okay. Um, which is hilarious. That I doubled on Angelina Jolie because it, it, she's like knee pale and stretched. But <laughs> 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 When um, but luckily I was in a very very baggy fire smoke jumper, so you, right. you can't tell. Right. Um, but so so I'm I'm lucky enough to be able to take skydiving and, and get creative with it with stunts when those opportunities come. But I I do still jump, yeah, okay. but n- not to the the thousand jump intensity that it used to be thousand jumps a year type thing um
0: if you're out doing a stunt that's uh that's skydiving involved do you ever look at the director or the guy that wrote the script and just go you fucking moron there's no way this
1: is (laughs) (laughs) because
0: you and i both know most of the shit you see about skydiving in film is just crap oh yeah it's
1: ridiculous yeah so um, there's a lot of smiling. If, if it's safe or it's doable, and it's what they really want, and they're not asking for your opinion, it's just a smile and nod. You go do it, even right. though you know it's ridiculous and physically really impossible to pull off in reality. Right. Um, if if it's unsafe, you you <laughs> you have to. You've just got to be a very good diplomat in this industry. Right. So you got to let people get all their ideas out, have all their say, get all the ego stuff out. And instead of saying, um, no, you moron, that's just fucking retarded. Everybody's going to die. Right. Sorry, fucking stupid. Um, I, uh, then you say, uh, so, so, so that's, that is one element, um, a more practical way of doing something or another option is, or, gotcha. you know, um, we might, the, the way that we can work this is, you know, you just don't say no, but right. you say, this is how we potentially could do it. Or sure. quite often you say, yeah, no, this is totally possible. It's just going to cost you a lot more money. Sure, and Normally sure. things get tweaked. So, you know, but that there are times when it took me a long time to realize like, this is just how the industry works and to not, roll your eyes like oh, it's that be. just is the most ridiculous thing and it's taken me a long time to to learn to just shut the fuck up. (laughs) Uh,
0: I I imagine. Well, I remember being really impressed when uh, I uh, heard the plan for and then saw the practice jumps when Cruise and Craig O'Brien were doing the stunt for the Mission Impossible movie, uh, because Tom Cruise, of course, is a skydiver, and and Craig is the cameraman. And we're watching the the rough takes of these, and it was really, really cool. And so when I went to finally see the movie, I was psyched only to see that scene. And then I saw Mm -hmm. that scene, and I saw what Holly did to that scene and my heart just caved in i went oh it was the most amazing it was really good and Cruz actually did this jump and he did this rollover and it was really intense and the camera was actually on his face and then they went and put paris behind it and ruined the whole fucking thing it, and it made it look it's, fake. But,
1: it's funny, isn't it, how CG can just take away. And want, once things get into the editing room, sometimes it's really heartbreaking. Oh, I was you, blown you, away. You quite often can do this epic stunt that you're so proud of, and then it gets to the cutting room and they butcher it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, the, there's two points to that. I mean, I there's, the scene, I, there's mixed opinions. Some Skydivers think it's it's absolutely rad and they loved it. Mm. I was a little... I, I'm not gonna lie; I was a little underwhelmed by it. Yeah, uh, not the not from Craig O'Brien's no. perspective. and 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 this is an inc- this is a a really a, a, a major point in that is that and initially I think you know some other camera guys got fired because they were just saying no, this is impossible. Right? Craig is just so good. He's and you know that there was the resources there. It's yeah. like we can do this, but this is what it's going to take. Yeah. Um. It's like this is a challenge of epic proportions, but this is how we, you know, do it one bite at a time. And and he, you know, he was the right guy for the job sure. all along. Um, but but that was the difference between someone saying, Oh, that's too hard. And it's like, Well, actually, no, yeah, it is possible. But. Yeah. Holy crap we this is what we' got to do <laughs> oh yeah
0: well, and I remember watching when they landed from the actual jump that they used in the film uh, when mm-hmm. the director and Cruz and, and O'Brien are all sitting around watching the cut uh, of the actual jump and of course it's it's you know no cuts it's the jump from start to finish and uh, um, it was really cool like i was I was honestly I was sincerely impressed with Cruz's performance on the skydive because he's got so few skydives um, so hats off to him in respect to how he did on that jump the way that it shot was shot was absolutely spectacular so the jump itself that they did was awesome the jump that they used for the Mm -hmm. movie was awesome and then they put it on that the screen with Paris in the background and it looked fake and I saw it for real on the screen that when they did the jump and it was amazing and then they did everything they do and ruined it I was so disappointed
2: oh
1: (laughs) saying it yeah if um it is it is harder if you see the the raw footage initially um, because you just see it for what it is, the the purity of the stunt, and yeah, it, it really can dilute it when they when they CG it, which is a which is a bummer.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was unfortunate, but again, it is what it is. I was I was priv- privileged enough to be able to see the footage uh, the first time around, so I was still quite impressed with it. And again, hats off to Cruz did an amazing job, and and uh, I didn't like the movie, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah I'll know the discussion so as is my custom as we wind down towards the end of the podcast I always ask people to give advice to those that are just getting started in the sport of skydiving or any extreme sport really and for those that are wondering if they should keep going they're kind of looking for that inspiration to continue Uh, what advice do you have to those two groups of people and especially what do you have to uh, advice to people that are looking to get into your line of work
1: okay so um for people that are just starting in, in skydiving, um, I always say uh, a couple of things. Be, be very careful who you get your information from initially. Um, there's always a lot of people that want to give their two cents in. Uh, just make sure that they're a really experienced instructor. They have a great reputation. Like Do do your homework on who you're getting the advice from. Um, and the, just the... I see too many people get too complacent at the beginning and they forget that they're Mm. skydiving. Um, Like it's always been said, skydiving isn't a particularly complicated sport, but it's a very unforgiving sport. And all, Mm. nearly the majority of accidents start on the ground before you've even got in the plane, the chain of events. And I know it's been said over and over and over again, but it's so very true. So just don't forget that you're jumping out of a plane. (laughs) <laughs> and right. and uh, un- understand the stuff like the, my biggest irks quite often a, a separation, you know, jump run separation. Understand the upper winds, understand what that means, understand the dangers of canopies being too close together, you know, and canopy collisions, and just never get complacent under canopy. I've unfortunately right. watched, you know, at, at, a, at a drop zone where there's so many thousands and thousands of skydives a year you see more accidents, not because it's unsafe, just because statistics dictate that. And um, sure. all, all the deaths that I've witnessed have been completely preventable. So don't be those people look before you mm. turn your canopy. <laughs> and then yeah, the ones, sure. the ones that are struggling and are not quite sure um, that whether they should stay in it. Um, I mean, my, my personal story, I was a really shit AFF student because I was, I, I, i might not have had the, the the best instruction but i was also incredibly scared so i was really tense so i i repeated mm. a lot of levels because i'd get locked in a position and i would turn um mm. and i i was sat down deflated like halfway through my aff and i honestly i was going to give up i remember thinking okay i'm gonna leave today and i'm not going to come back um, and an instructor saw my face and sat down and said hey you will get it. Everyone's going to get it. And when you get it, it's just going to click. Don't give up. Mm. You, you, you just don't give up. And honestly, if that person hadn't been aware of seeing me, I, goodness knows what different direction my life might have taken, you know. And um, you so that for those, point? it wasn't a turning point, but it was just that. Encu- it was just everybody learns at different levels. And sure. AF, AF, how well you are doing your AFF does not dictate what kind of skydiver you're going to be in the long run
0: at no,
1: all no. you know and most flailing people turn out to be badasses so just just remember mm. that and if if in your head you don't want to do it because you're generally scared and you hate it and you feel bleh and it's just not for you that that's mm. fine walk away from it that that's absolutely fine it's just fucking skydiving no one cares right but if but if you if you've got that little would have drive and this and the scary feeling feels good and challenging like don't, don't give up. You, you, sure. you're, you're, everyone gets it. Everyone gets it. It's very few people that I've ever said skydiving is not for you.
2: <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I, yeah. I suppose
0: looking back as an AFF instructor, I got to say the same thing. Uh, there were definitely problem students, but no one that I looked at and went, Ooh, yeah, no.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and having the right instructor can obviously make or break your beginnings, but, um, you know, sure. it's like doctors. like doctors. There's really good doctors and there's
0: really bad doctors. So, <laughs> <laughs> don't be a bad doctor. Okay. So for for the Hollywood side of things, there's a, a, a young lady or a young man, for that matter, mm-hmm. that's listening right now that thinks being a stunt person is the coolest fucking thing they could possibly do. Um, yeah. Is there any advice, or is it just to give it a try?
1: Oh gosh, there's a, there's a ton of advice. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> yeah. Um. The, the first thing I'll say is, and, and I am a believer that anything is possible, but it, it, it the majority of stump people that have made it have had some kind of pretty specialist background in sports, whether it be, mm.
2: um,
1: gymnastics, martial arts, you know, mine was a weird one skydiving, but my gymnastics mm. obviously helped me, but m- most people come from some kind of competitive sporting background. So if you have that, that's, that's a great base and it can be anything because that often is the thing that like gets your foot in the door whether you're an incredible horse rider or something uh the next thing is you you have to be in a city where those people train there's no such thing in the U.S. as kind of like a legitimate stunt school here you've got your qualification now off you go it's um it's you have to be tenacious so you need to be somewhere like L.A., Atlanta, New York um Canada is is huge all the cities there and you need to find out where those stunt people often train and and start training and go into classes they are there you just have to kind of search um you have to be prepared to hustle which means find sets meet stunt coordinators um, and introduce yourself it's really weird it's like cold calling it's terrifying Mm. Um, and it, sometimes it's just awkward and horrible. Sometimes you might get a job from it, but and it, it's hard. It will take you a long time to feel established, and you're going to want to give up along the way. So the, the majority of people that are established and full-time stunt people, they've just been tenacious. <laughs>
0: mm. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, it would have
1: yeah. to be. Yeah, because wow. there's, there's going to be a lot of rejections. There's going to be a lot of thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm just never going to get regular jobs um you know uh, it's it's if you want it bad enough just keep working at it
0: that uh that brings to mind the uh the brad pitt uh character in once upon a time in america uh, that just kind of was half stuntman half uh, butler and and do all for yeah. dicaprio's character as well yeah i'd imagine there's quite a bit of that as well
1: yeah i mean initially yeah for me it was was the same it was you know i was working full-time in skydiving and occasionally getting a a stunt job and um but at one point like all scary things you have to i had to commit of moving away from the drop zone not taking any skydiving contracts anymore and getting closer to la and saying like this is this is it now and and it was a scary leap for both me and my husband but the moment we did that, we started getting more work as well, you know? And
2: sure. So it's, well, it's that
1: point, And it's that point in time where you need to be able to take your, your foot away from your safety zone and, and step fully into what you're trying to do. Otherwise sure. it's just not going to happen. Now, you're,
2: you're yeah.
0: You're relatively recently married. Yeah.
1: Uh, no, we got married in 2013, 2013.
0: Fuck time flies by. Holy shit.
1: I know. Okay.
0: <laughs> How, how is it I'm shocked at how long ago you got married? I, we don't even really know each other. I know. Holy shit,
1: that's crazy. So quickly, now,
0: yeah. Uh, now, he's in the industry as well?
1: He Well, yeah, we met. He's a skydiver, and also his name's Travis Banagi. He's a free-fly world champion. And um, But it's funny. We both transitioned into stunt work almost at the same time, but very organically, but through completely different paths. So wow. it's like we've had this parallel kind of thing, but, you know, through different people, he works with different people. Sometimes we work together, which is really fun, but, um, that's cool. Yeah. And no, that's cool.
2: Well, yeah. shit. So I mean, it sounds to thing. me like
0: from, <laughs> from, cop to professional competition skydiver to professional skydiver to professional stunt woman, you've had one fucking hell of a run so far.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? I, it's Yeah. Cool. I, I feel, I feel, I, it is cool. I feel, I feel very lucky that the opportunities that I've been given have, have come my way, and I've, I feel really lucky that I've learned to kind of, um, lean into the fear of those decisions sure. as well. You know, so it seems to work just, out well.
0: <laughs> do You ever just uh, sit sit on the couch and giggle just a little bit?
1: You know, I, I do pretty much every day. Uh, I Isn't that awesome? never, it's never an element of complacency. It's almost a, and uh, just every day, like, holy fuck, this yeah, is cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I, that's kind of been my benchmark for whether or not I think I'm living a good life and enjoying myself Has never been what's in the bank, never been what I'm driving. It's at the end of the night when I'm sitting on the couch, do I giggle that I get to do what I do? And I don't yeah. think there's been a day in 25 years that I haven't felt that way, even this on the is- shitty days.
1: Right, which is cool? what it's
0: all about. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Hannah, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to sit down with me and tell some stories and have a little bit of fun. I guarantee a lot of people are going to love this podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> Once again, another episode of Lunatic Fringe into the void in the can. That one's all done. Awesome fucking ideas there. Awesome advice there. Uh, I mean, fucking hell. Um, getting herself blown up, jumping out of airplanes. Two national championship or a, a national championship and a world championship right out the gate. Fucking hell. Anyway, this has been Lunatic Fringe, uh, brought to you, of course, by the greatest magazine in the known universe. Blue Skies Magazine. Go to blueskiesmag.com to uh, subscribe to the magazine to get some of the really cool swag that they've got, to submit your photos and article ideas. Again, I always say it, if they'll let me write for them, they're absolutely going to let you. If you got a good story, tell it. For me, I am the fucking pilot. You're going to find me at thefuckingpilot.net. That's where you're going to find links to this podcast as well as links to both the books that I've written. The blueskiesmag.com fucking pilot book, which is previously published Blue Skies Magazine's articles. And The Accidental Stripper, um, both available in digital and print form. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. And we'll see you next time around on Lunatic Fringe.